Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, I'm talking with Rob Galena, a builder, contract shooter, and barbecue freak. So you'll better behave, or you're going to get whacked. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? G'day, Rob. Good to have you on the show, mate. How are you today? Really well, mate. How are you going? Mate, I am great. I've, uh, I've, I've had a great time at Meatstock last weekend. I've, I'm on school holidays at the moment because I'm a, I'm a teacher by day, so I get to work on my house on the, on the holidays and been doing all that sort of, you know, polishing and staining timber and all that sort of stuff. So it's good nice, stuff. How about nice. you? Yeah, really well, mate. Um, just, yeah, recovering from Toowoomba, I guess. Uh, it, it was it was epic. We absolutely loved it. Normally, I'm there as a guest, and um, you know, I've been helping out the guys uh, in the butchers wars and everything else, and mainly just hanging out and smoking cigars and drinking with Mo. Huh. But to do to do this um, is completely different, and to to have a stand at Toowoomba was just amazing. Love the crowds, love the atmosphere, and just enjoyed cooking. I guess. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. So. Tell us a bit about um, about uh, meat stock itself and having that stand. What sort of things were you doing there? Were you like demonstrations, tastings, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, look, I mean, Queensland's obviously is completely different to New South Wales. You you need a food license to sell or even hand out food, although you got your food safety supervisor's um, ticket. So we couldn't actually give anybody anything to taste. But yeah, we were doing demos showing people how to do you know, rolled roasts and using the Bradley and showing them how to use a Bradley and grilling over the, on the Weber and just, yeah, sampling our, our rubs and, and selling rubs, mate, and shirts. Very nice. Sounds but, like a great weekend away. Oh, it was awesome, mate. Absolutely, uh, absolute pleasure and an and honour to be a part of, I guess, being a part of yeah. the Meatstock family. Oh, definitely, definitely. To be yeah. in with that crew yeah. is, uh, is a real privilege. Oh, yes. Yeah. So tell me the... Um, what have you cooked uh, since then? Like, have you had barbecue since meat stock, or have you had you, you taken a week off? Did you eat all the barbecue you could manage? No, I'm still cooking, unfortunately. <laughs> um, unfortunately, so yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> mate, I'm always cooking, or I'm always doing something, and just brainstorming. I've been brainstorming on a on a new rub, um, so I've been prototyping and and, and testing that on um, on chicken. So we want to come out with a new chicken rub. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that, mate, and got literally just yeah, just cooking. Like I, I, I love my, I love my, um, my game meats. So I've been, I, I tested on game meat first. So if it tastes good on game meat, it's going to definitely taste good on something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Easter, you know, I'm here with the family, and you know, we've I've done a beautiful like I did at meat stock. I did a nice venison leg wrapped, and um, and smoked. So did that and did a nice, beautiful piece of Atlantic salmon with our new um, barbaric rub, and it was just fantastic. <laughs> I've, got, I've got some idiots in the background waving, saying goodbye. <laughs> you got some hecklers. Okay. I love you, darling. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Rob's dad. <laughs> Yeah, just cooked up the, the new rub on the Atlantic Sun was just fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. Fantastic, yeah. So it, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll, I'll ever stop cooking, mate. And 
everything over fire. I love just cooking over fire and using using my Bradley, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it, what of the Bradley range? What's your favorite? Uh, y- your favorite Bradley smoker? Oh, I gotta say, mate, I got the six stack digital smoker. I love cheating. I love literally just setting the timer, put the put the biscuits in there, mate, and just walk away. <laughs> it's awesome. I was going to ask um, so yeah, you that the one that, with the little, probably, uh... yeah, the little little discs, the wood chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's awesome, mate. I love my cherry wood and I love my um, uh, my mesquite wood. Okay, mesquite. That's interesting. Yeah, that's I. I actually steer away from that because I find that to be quite strong. But you, you, you're, you're all about the mesquite, eh? Yeah, I like it, man. It it, it just gives that nice. I, I like a nice woody flavor on my meat, especially when you're using game meat. A fair mm-hmm. bit. Um, it's the closest thing we get to, I'd, I'd say, probably our our ironbark. Okay. In flavour, yeah, I, I find that actually really, really good. Um, but when I'm cooking stuff like pork or or chicken, I'll use a cherry. So it just gives me a really nice flavour. Or applewood. Okay, and that's just as simple yeah, so as just changing the hockey pucks. That's it. It's just changing the parks, put them in there, and that's it. Just set it and walk away. Oh, too easy, man. Too easy. Which, which is great, man, because at least that way it gives me more time to concentrate on grilling on the on the Weber. Yeah. 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 Now, you um you are all about hunting and outdoors and, and cooking, all that sort of stuff. So I've got to ask, what came first, the barbecue or the gun? No, the gun. I think I've um I've used a gun ever since I could walk, mate. So yeah, we we grew up in the country, and um, I, literally like hunting was just a part of our our literally our upbringing, mate. Dad dad's from a European Italian background, so it's literally just out in the bush all the time. We harvest everything that we we used to hunt, and um, I got into into game hunting quite a bit, but we utilised all the meat. We never we never left anything behind, which was great because. I mean, the old man taught us a lot about sustainability. So it's not just going out there like a lot of people do and um, just kill things and, and leave the rest of the carcass out there to waste. We literally just, we shoot and we take everything home. We use a whole carcass, which is really, really good. And it's it's great when we're running our education programs and teaching people about hunting and harvesting out in the, out in the bush. Yeah, right. So, That's interesting. Yeah, man. So, uh, so sustainability like that's that's something that's only really become like a vogue word in the last sort of five years and i think we're like we're only going to start hearing more and more about it from from here on yeah. out so what what yep. sort of things was your was your dad into at that time like how was he discussing the issue of sus- sustainability well i mean i think the sustainability side of things is where people just don't understand is when you're you're out in the bush and you've got a surplus of like wild animals in Australia, we just call them, you know, feral animals or whatever. Um, in Europe, it was, it was just a food that they used to eat no matter what. Um, so the sustainability side of thing is actually going out there and using what you're shooting as a protein source. It wasn't just going out there, killing something with huge antlers or big tusks or anything and just taking it as a trophy. Mm. Uh, so it, it's teaching people, you know, the sustainability side of thing is going out and harvesting what you're actually shooting. I think it's interesting too that um, that there's a whole lot of talk about uh, the beef industry and some of the environmental impacts of the beef industry. Not so much in the beef itself, but the stripping of land for farming 
to grow yep. beef. And then you've got folks like yourself out there hunting and harvesting what you're hunting. And you're talking about, um, you know, animals that we have too many of. So kangaroos, rabbits, all that sort of stuff. I think there's a nice um, sort of balance there that's that's yet to be explored in our food industry in Australia. Yeah, uh, I think it's one of the most underrated meats. Um I'm all for, and I'm probably one of the biggest supporters for farmers. I mean, for what I do, uh, I love I love my farmers. I love all the guys out around the whole of Australia because we shoot around the whole of Australia with our business. And there's a lot of things that, I mean, farmers get a bad rap, like in all livestock areas about, you know, stripping, recropping. Um, a lot of people don't understand. A lot of farmers have to allow a certain percentage on their properties for, for native animals to, for, to actually feed on water sources a whole lot. Um, farmers do an amazing job, especially there are a lot of regenerative farmers out there that are, as much as they strip, they put a lot more back into it. So they're doing more native revegetation. They're doing a lot more uh, carbon neutral farming as well. So what they're doing, if you look at guys like um, Rob McKenzie from Macca Angus, up in the in Hunter Valley, um, mm-hmm. Rob, Rob's got a special salt lick that they use for the for their cattle, which actually drops a methane capacity in a cow. Really, in, in his herd, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's an amazing product, and this is like their zero carbon emission uh, targets are literally just getting dropped, and they're reaching those targets quite well. Wow. Well, that's really interesting because I actually did a, a degree in environmental management and that was one of the big things was methane, was they keep talking about methane as a, as a greenhouse gas, mm. specifically from cattle. So if they've managed to come up with a salt lick that's going to drop, uh, drop their methane output, that's, that's wild. What? It's, it's amazing, man. Like, I think the biggest problem that a lot of people have got when it comes to looking at the cattle industry is the fact that there's a lot of feedlot guys and the feedlots where you where you're actually feeding the animals and you're getting all that like literally all the all the waste product literally just dropping right there that yeah fair enough totally get that um, but when it comes to actually you know your, your cattle that's free range and it's moved around from paddock to paddock and they pasture improve and everything else the farmers should be commended for that because they're literally looking after the land better than anything else and the husbandry side of things that they've got for the cattle. It's second to none. It's amazing the pride that they take and how they look after their beef. Mm. So this is what I'm saying. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm pretty fortunate to have a lot of mates who are in the MLA, like corporate chef Sam, Sam Burke. He's, um, he's an amazing ambassador for beef. And when you see what these guys are actually working towards to actually try improve uh, the, the cattle industry, it's, it's second to none. Like what, what they're doing is- Amazing, Ben. Yeah, there's, uh, it's certainly coming along in large leaps and bounds, isn't it? There's a lot of guys out there that are they're putting out that hype of, you know, cattle is unhealthy and, you know, uh, even beef, eating beef, everyone says, oh, you know, having too much beef is no good for you and all this. And they're trying to put a negative spin on things. I think Australian beef is probably one of the best beefs that we have in the world. Mm. Um, we export a lot of our beef um, only because of the way it's farmed. It's, it's, it's a great product. Um, I don't. I don't ever put down uh, Australian beef, lamb, or pork. It's it. We do have the best products in the world, but to me, I think growing up with a background that European background where we eat game meat, um, I, I just love my game meat. It's got a complete different flavour, 
and because they're eating natural minerals and natural uh, natural grasses, everything else, and they're free range and organic, man. They're they're just amazing once they're harvested properly. Yeah, for sure. I want to loop back to cooking before we continue on with that for for just a second. Um, yeah, a lot of your photos have you um, doing a lot of uh, open fire cooking as opposed to in what a lot of people would con- would consider to be a traditional barbecue. So do you do you tend to prefer open fire cooking to barbecues? Um, it depends on what I'm cooking, mate. Um, like I love, you can see there in the picture doing the, uh, the crucifix, the asado style cooking. It, it, it's beautiful. It's a slow way of cooking. Um, you get beautiful flavors from like like i said the australian hardwoods and everything else i do love my barbecues but i, I love my fire I, I, I love cooking on fire no matter what it just gives you an amazing flavor man it's just it, it's wicked <laughs> i mean you taste fire cooking compared to probe like your gas or even over uh, like your heat beads and stuff I, i'd rather my fire cooking every day every day Interesting. and i guess which, when you're out in the bush, mate, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty much what you got. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't exactly, you know, strap a Weber kettle to your back and go off with, uh, <laughs> go off with all your gear for a week to go survive in the bush. Well, look, in saying that, look, I do take the Bradley. I do take the Weber sometimes, depending on the weather uh, and whether we've got total fire bands or not. So, mate, the, the little Bradley smoker does, does cop a hiding when we're out there, no matter what. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mate, we um, yeah, I, I just love cooking over fire and charcoal, man. It's it's the best flavor. You get the fats that render down on it, and they drip. They come up that beautiful flavor, and I'm salivating now just thinking about it. So I just I want to cook again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, an, an, another thing that that I wanted to ask about is in the information that you sent through to me, you said that you're a a contract shooter. What does that mean? Uh, I get contracted by farmers to actually go and cull feral animals and pest animals. So we've, we've been doing contracts. I've been doing contract shooting since I was probably about 19, 20 years old. So it's been a while, quite a while. Five years, six um, years, um, yeah. Yeah, just a couple of years really, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been doing that for quite a while. And, you know, with, with the drought, when the drought was back on uh, – Probably about seven or eight years ago, we were flat out busy. We had, we employed a few few shooters with us as well, and like we were just out there culling animals. There was just so many of them because of the drought. And now with you know with the amount of rain that we've had and the amount of feed that's out, like the animals are just multiplied tenfold. But because of the drought, farmers destocked and they don't have much stock, and they're trying to build up. And because it's so expensive to buy cows and sheep, um. Yeah, they're not really fussed about the feral animals. So now it's kind of like my tucker. Okay. Yeah, so now I think I'm eating and giving my mates more more, more game meat than, than anything else. Oh, right, yeah. So you're primarily contracted to, uh, to, to hunt kangaroos, rabbits, or are you talking about like putting down animals in a drought that are starving to death? No, nah, now, now we're just contracted to shoot feral animals. So uh, pigs, goats... Uh, goats we try and muster for the farmers, so we make good money out of goats as well. But deers, pigs, rabbits, foxes, dingoes, wild dogs, cats, um, all the pest species, literally all pest species. There are there are areas in New South Wales, Queensland and that that are plagued with kangaroos. And the kangaroo numbers have just exploded now because of you know the, the amount of water that we've gotten. Um, and the breeding season has been fantastic. 
So yeah, we've been um, pretty busy in that respect, mate. Going um, going culling, doing that sort of stuff. So are they all eating species? Like like do you eat bits of like all of them? Yeah, the other the, well, the only thing I'm not eating, mate, and I won't touch uh, dogs, cats, dogs and cats. That's it. Oh, like dogs and dogs, cats. Feral, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but aside from that, mate, the rabbits. You know, wild pig depends on the size of them, mate. You, yeah, you get right into them. It's okay. It's an it's an amazing food source, and they just taste great. Then, I'd I'd heard that the meat was full of worms. Is that like a myth? No, um, it it depends on what they're eating. Depends on you know, with pigs especially, um, you've got to really check those quite well. So it's it, it all comes down to education, hunter education. Uh, like we ran a. Uh, processing a deer processing course at Abella's gun shop a few weeks ago where I did a big demonstration on how to break down um, a, a carcass, a deer carcass. And literally we went through that and it's it's a matter of when, you know, when shooters go out there and they check their meat, you got to check their, their, their vitals, which is basically all their organs and everything, and see. I mean, you'll see if an animal is sick prior to shooting um, you'll also check once you do shoot the animals that you are targeting, whether they, they've got worms inside them or not. I mean, you discard those. Mm, but sure. I would probably say in... Shit, how old am I now? Um, in the last 34 years, 35 years, uh, I think I may have may thrown out maybe 5% of what I've shot. Wow. 3 to 5%, yeah. So they're actually really healthy and um, the healthy animals, and they're very, very um, pest tolerant. I'd call it pest and disease tolerant. That's interesting. They're not, they're not re- yeah, they're not reliant like our livestock. They're not reliant on injections and, you know, vet checks and everything else. They, they actually know what to eat. It's, when, when you actually sit out in the wild for quite a bit, mate, you see how animals can actually tell good food from bad food and, you know, where to drink, where not to drink. So they're, they're actually not picking up a lot of disease. So they're smarter than us. That's what you're saying. They know what's good for them. They know what's not good for them. They know how to avoid diseases. Well, put it this way, Ben. I've got a lot more respect for animals than what I do for humans. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Although I do like to eat them. The animals, not the humans. Yeah, no, the animals, the animals, I mean, yes. Now, you, you just briefly mentioned um, some of the uh, tours and trips out in the bush that you do, and uh, yeah. I've, I've got a shot here of you with Big Mo out in the bush there. Can you tell us what's happening there? Uh, mate, a lot of people call it a bromance, but it's not. Um, it, it's, mate, these are, these are some amazing trips that we've had uh, with Shannon, Shannon Walker and George and the guys from Black Bear and everything. I take Mo, like when he comes to Australia, I take Mo out in the bush for a week. And literally take him out hunting and we chase deers and, you know, whatever else is out there, I guess. Um, and literally just live off the land for a whole week. But he he actually roughs it up like Aussie style, mate. Like, although I give him a tent, not a swag, because Mo, Mo won't fit in a swag, number one. And, um, like, I've, I've, got to, I've got to look after the bloke. I got to look after him. He's in my care, so. Uh, but, but he's a great mate. He, I mean, he's basically family for me. And, um, yeah, he's, he's been a great mate. Take him out in the bush. We've got him on a couple of deer and he absolutely just loves it. 
absolutely loves it. And the um and the banter, the banter between Shannon Walker and George and the boys from Black Bear, and we've had Volky out there playing playing music for us while we've been out in the bush, which has been pretty awesome. It's uh it's something that everybody every single year pre pre meat stock absolutely loves to come out to. Sounds like it's become part of the meat stock ritual. Oh, almost, almost. I still got to try and convince Jay and Steve to come out to come out, but. Oh, okay. All right, Steve Foy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if those two boys would be able to handle coming out in the scrub with me. Okay, there you go. Gauntlet thrown, challenge, challenge put. <laughs> Jay, well, the before... challenge has also been put out to Sterling and to Mike Johnson as well, mate. I reckon Sterling would be on board with that for sure. I don't know Mike. Oh, well no, he enough. already said he he already said that he wants to do it. Next time he's he's in Oz, mate, I'm taking him out bush and uh and having a bit of fun, mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And these tours are actually part of your um Australian hunting, fishing, outdoors recreation group on Facebook, is that right? Yeah, it is, mate. It is. Um yeah, so that's on Facebook, Instagram. We um we we formed that group actually not long ago. Um, it, it was something that like me, Jackie and James came up with, uh, James is from Alpha Gear Solutions. He's a, he's a great mate of mine. And, um, we literally just came up with something and just went, right, what can we actually do? Because Game On has now literally taken a step on its own, like for the barbecue and the rubs and, and everything else and the cooking and masterclasses that we do. And we thought, how can we divide it? What are we going to do? And we literally came up with Australian Hunt, Fish and Rec to literally create an education program for people. A lot of people don't have access to places to go hunting or if they want to learn how to do stuff and, you know, how to do things and, and how to hunt and how to cook in over fire and everything. So that's why we, we created that group, mate. It's, it's, it's an amazing bunch of people that have gotten together and we're brainstorming along with a, a couple other big, big groups um, to give people a go and, and, and get them out in the bush and do that sort of stuff and, and see the wild and, you know, see how it, what it actually takes and, and how good it is to actually live off the land. Mm, mm. Now, just, just yeah. something that just popped into my head just now as a thought. In yep. the last couple of years, we've seen something happen that um, a lot of people thought was going to be the end of days. Um, have you seen a lot more people um, become interested in learning how to survive off the land and learning how to hunt and learning how to harvest and learning how to cook out in the bush? Have you yeah. seen a, an, an, an uptick? in interest in that huge amount uh in the last I, I can even tell you honestly in the last four weeks we've literally had around about uh 28 inquiries about people wanting to go out in the bush and uh, i think more more too because of ruts on at the moment which is uh your deer breeding season where you get all the big stags croaking and roaring away and everything and that, that's it's a fun time of year but at the moment because everything is so wet we can't get access to some of the properties in the south but yeah, I think I think with what's happened over the last couple of years, people are looking more at that sustainability side of things. How can we get out? How can we get our own food just in case you know, the end of days comes? How do we actually process meat? How do we actually catch our own food? And let, let's face it, price of meat's gone through the roof. So wherever they wherever they can get that actual that food source and that healthy food, like people actually want to get out there. So yeah, look. There's been a huge influx. There's been a, a, a large amount of people that have literally contacted us to do this sort of stuff. So, yeah, mate, it's it's a great thing. And I love the idea of people wanting to get out 
into nature and learn this sort of stuff. So good. I think man. it's just so been good. it's just been something that's been lost. It's been lost for a long time, Ben. Yeah, I think that there's people just going to be a yeah, lot people more are just too used to going. Yeah, people are just too too used to going to a shop and going, "There's my money, I want my meat," and have no idea where it actually comes from, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that happening, no doubt at all. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a moment. In our busy modern lives, there are some things we need more of. More time, more money, more fun with friends and family. And I want to show you how all this can be done with barbecue. Join us at Barbicon, the online barbecue bonanza, cooking up two huge days of events, entertainment, and opportunities with some of the biggest names in the Australian barbecue industry and an international special guest or two. Barbicon is the online barbecue festival that brings Australia's best barbecue pitmasters and entrepreneurs live into the lounge rooms of barbecue lovers everywhere. Through demonstrations and presentations, these pros hold nothing back to ensure you get more from your barbecue. Day one is all about cooking barbecue, where you learn tips, tricks and treats from the best in the industry. And day two covers the business of barbecue when our guests share their stories, advice and strategies about going pro. So let's give you a taste of some of our presenters. First up on the list is Chris Davey, pitmaster from Smoking Hot Bros, and he's going to be teaching us how to make jalapeno and mango pork ribs. Absolutely cracking and looks delicious. Tom Dammon from Smoky Pastures Barbecue, a competitive pitmaster and agricultural scientist, is going to be putting to bed finally once and for all the discussion of grass versus grain fed. Coming to us all the way from the United States is our very special guest and great friend of the show, Craig Vahaga, a.k.a. the Barbecue Ninja. He's going to be sharing his exact recipe for boudin stuffed pork chops, which he recently used to get a 180 perfect score at a KCBS competition over there. We're also going to be having Andrew Don Patterson from Black Iron Smokers, and he's going to be laying out for us the steps to success for getting into barbecue catering. He and his wife, Alinka, recently took out the ABA Annual Award for Barbecue Catering Operation, so you know you're going to want to catch this if you're thinking about getting into a business of your own. We also have the husband and wife team, Rob and Randy Thraves from Smokin' Hot and Saucy. They are absolutely crushing it on the barbecue scene at the moment, just opening site after site after site. So if you're looking at opening a barbecue business, you need to plan your success from the start, and these guys are going to tell you how to do it and how to execute it and make sure you get there. And Craig is going to be back again on day two, and he's going to be talking about profitable partnerships. Now, often we talk about uh, ambassadorships in terms of teams who want to go and find a company who's going to sponsor them. Craig's going to look at this from the other side. So he works for Royal Oak Charcoal. He handles all their ambassadorship programs. So he's taking this from the opposite point of view. He's going to be looking at ways that businesses can bring on ambassadors and make sure they get a profit from that partnership. So if you're up for some thrilling grilling, make sure you grab your tickets. Early bird tickets are on sale Friday the 8th of July and regular tickets go up on Monday the 11th. We also have some great side dishes for ticket buyers as well. Not only will you see the best barbecue pitmasters and business owners live in your lounge room, you also get a three-month membership to the Smoking Hot Confessions congregation, a digital swag bag full of goodies from our partners and presenters, and VIP ticket holders get an invite to an exclusive happy hour chat with our presenters on Saturday evening. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash barbecon. That's one word, B-A-R-B-E-C-O-N, smokinghotconfessions.com slash barbecon. Grab yourself some tickets. It's going to be smoking hot. 
Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so before the break, we uh, we talked about um, the Australian Hunting, Fishing, Outdoors Recreation Group and that side of the business. And you also briefly mentioned uh, Game On Enterprises, which is where you do all your your cooking, your rubs, your events, your classes, all that sort of stuff. So let's let's sort of kick things off with um with some of the cooking things that you do with Game On. Tell us a bit about that. Um, so look, I mean, this all started with um going out in the bush, I guess, taking Mo and the boys out, and. You know, I think a lot of people have forgotten just the old technique of just grilling. Everyone got into smoking, because it, it just came in. It was just huge, a massive impact. And I'll tell you honestly, like, a lot of people had no idea about it. I mean, we briefly touched on it, not a hell of a lot, but, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then I thought, you know what, I could, I could actually do this. And, you know, getting good comments from the guys that we've taken out and everything, I just thought, Look, you know what? I had a restaurant years and years and years ago. Why don't I just literally jazz it up a little bit more? And, um, you know, let, let, let's see what I can do. So we just started, you know, doing more courses out in the bush and people were coming out more for a feed and a good time and and everything else. And from that, I guess, um, I think I, I came to my first meat stock in, I think it was 2017 or 2018 when Mo first came out and... Literally, I just got hooked. I got hooked, mate. It was, it was, it was. People don't believe it, but cooking and and fire are like a drug. It, it it's so addictive, and I, I just loved it, mate. And yeah, from there, literally, just I created our own game meat rub, which is our game on um, king of meat, which was our our very first rub, and it was just delicious. Yep, that that's the one there. It's. It's an amazing rub. It's it's full of texture. Everyone goes, oh geez, it's it's just a paprika. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the sarcasm and the banter between friends is unrivaled when it comes to this. So um, it, it's it's pretty good. But it it was just amazing. And you know, Mo Mo gave, Mo gave me his criticism on it, and he loves it. And I had Mike Johnson sample it. I sent it over to Mike, and he actually gave us a really good critique on on one of his pages as well. And right. I just love it, mate. Sorry? I just said that's great. Yeah, man. Um, and then from there, we just started doing some barbecue classes and a couple of master classes, and we got a few more coming up, like, during and between meat stock and smoke and broke and everything else. And we're doing, you know, butchering demonstrations and how to cook stuff, how to prep food and how to cook over fire. Um, I think it's just been a, a lost art where people have been so reliant on gas they don't know. It, it's a complete different cooking method. I mean, you know yourself, like with smokers and with with cooking with coal and everything. It's it's a complete different method, and quite easily stuff up uh, like your meat. Obviously, when it absolutely cooking. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm curious about these uh, these game rubs. How are they different to yeah. to say a traditional barbecue rub? Ours are a little bit more more textured, so I don't make it a dust. A lot of the boys are making all their all their. Um, all their rubs of dust and putting it on. I like I like getting that crunch. I like getting that pop. So when I'm cooking, like I like you get the, I, I use granulated rather than um, dusted uh, garlic and onion and you know my rosemaries and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's very coarse, but it's it's the quantities of everything. Like I use a smoke prep preka with the 
with the king of meats, I use a, a sweet paprika with our, our brand new barbaric, which is for, for our lamb and pork. So I'm just using different things. And we've got lemon myrtle now in our, in our barbaric, which gives you that beautiful lemon flavor to it. And we're trying to put more Aussie herbs into it. So it gives you more of that native Australian, you know, you, you get that nice, nice lemony flavor and it's a natural lemon flavor rather than using a zest, a, a zest of some sort. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, we got, so we got no sugars, no preservatives. It's just 100% pure and natural, man. Yeah, I, I, I love that. So, I mean, obviously game meat tastes different to, uh, to farmed meat. Um, mm. Is that why... Like or or what sort of flavor balances do you have to organize differently in a game rub to a traditional barbecue rub? Well, your, your traditional barbecue rubs are salt and pepper based, okay? And then you, you put a little bit of sugar in there. It depends if you're doing a competition like a brisket. You'd brisket, you'd put your brown sugars through there and everything else. Um, with with game meat, you you want to use the actual the flavor of the meat. The flavor is of the meat is actually really good. Um, so you don't want to mask it with too many things like cumin's really, really, really strong. And, you know, there's a lot of different stuff that people are using in there. And I just thought, no, I want to try to simplify it a little bit. So I've got a little bit of a Mediterranean Brazilian style seasoning in there, but I've also got the natural Australian herbs in there too. So it's, it's, it's a unique balance, I guess. And it literally gives, it emphasizes the actual flavor of the meat rather than actually use the rub as a flavoring. Right. So it's actually, so it's quite subtle, um, but actually has a really, really good flavoring. Gives you a really good bark depending on what you're cooking and how you're cooking it. Oh, nice. That's interesting. Yeah, man. Yeah. So tell me, um. With all the, uh, the, the natural Aussie herbs and that that you're putting in there, you mentioned lemon myrtle already. What are some of the other ones that you're putting out there? Uh, we're now, we're now the- trying to get, yeah, we're trying to get a mustard, mustard flower seed, that uh, wild one. Yeah, so that, that will probably go into our, into our chicken, chicken rub. We want to get that in there because mustard flower is one of these, it, it's something very rare. So we're trying to, trying to get it because it's very hard. It's a seasonal thing, but it's, it's not there for a long time. So we're trying to find a way of actually getting enough of it to actually put it into like big amounts of rubs, um, you know. And then you got your your natural lemon. There's a lemon, um, uh, a eucalypt, and we want to see if we can get some of the flowers and some of the actual leaves if we're allowed to actually use that, dry them and grind them to actually use that, which is just an amazing flavour. If a lot of a lot of people don't know bush, bush herbs and stuff. So that, that's what we're trying to do is introduce that into some of our rubs and try keep it a little more Aussie, I guess. Fair enough. A little yeah, bit yeah. more bushy. Yeah. Yeah. Look, here's an idea that, that I have put out in the show before, but I think you're probably the number one person to give me some feedback on it. I have an idea for a category for a competition where mm-hmm. a bunch of people go out and part of the competition is actually hunting the animal. So you got to hunt and harvest and then cook and present the animal. So what, what, um, what animal would you recommend for a low and slow style barbecue competition? And then what natural Aussie herbs and spices to go with it? Well, if that's going to happen, you guys are in shit. Cause I'm going to actually kick your butts. Um, mate i've been pushing for game meat to actually be introduced into like let's say the meat stocks and and barbecue comps um 
to me personally, look, it just depends on the judges as well, who, who are going to um, actually like, who are going to be judging the competitions. To me, a perfect animal to do would be wild boar and probably deer because they're, they're, they've got the bigger bigger muscle groups that you can actually work on. So you'd still be able to do your Boston butts, your pulled pork with a wild pig. Um, and then when it comes to doing loins and steaks and stuff like that, you'd go with the deer. Like, so you can still smoke them. I mean, I've, I've now proven to people that you can smoke deer. Okay. Because a lot of people... Yeah, a lot of people had the um, the idea that there's not enough fat in a deer to actually smoke. So you know, I've I've done it. We've um, we've done it as well. I'm with the guys when they did uh, the Kingsford International, the Black Bear Boys, a few oh, years yeah. ago. We we got, yeah, we got some rabbits and threw them in the threw them in the smoker, and they come out amazing. They they did. They were they were just it, it was amazing. So I, I think game it should be on a, on the category. Definitely, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I'll be a judge. Definitely, I mean, I, I call myself the king of the barbecue, especially when it comes to out in the outback. But um, yeah, look, I, I think using using a game meat is going to be the next next level. I mean, it, it's really going to be something hard for the the barbecue competition guys to use unless they've actually done it before. So mm. yeah, I mean. It'd be an amazing thing um, when it comes to using a rub. I'd say probably try use. I wouldn't go heavy on the salt because it dries out because game meat doesn't have a lot of fat in it. Okay. Yeah. Don't use it. So it's it's an amazing texture. It's a very fine meat. Okay, because it doesn't have the fat and it's an animal that moves constantly. Mm-hmm. It's not a slow grazing animal. They're fast grazing animals, and. And and I would say you would have to probably inject it if you're using it for for um for comps, so just to get as much moisture as you can to lock into it. Sure, sure. Now you mentioned that that we'd still be able to do things like pulled pork with wild boar. What sort mm. of flavour differences are there between wild boar and a farmed pig? Oh, huge, huge flavour difference. Um, I I um. I try to compare, like try to tell people, if, you, if you've eaten uh, salami, imagine a nice cacciatore salami, like a proper Italian salami, you get it and you fry it or you grill it and eat it. That's what wild pork tastes like. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing flavour. I, I would rather eat wild pig, a, a young one, mind you, not a, a giant boar or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Max, maximum around about 50 kilos. Um, but do that, even on a rotisserie, it, it's, the flavour of it is just incredible, Ben. They eat, that they, I mean, yes, they, they eat meat when, it's, when, when they've got nothing else to eat. Every animal's going to survive. So they'll eat meat. They're omnivores, so they're going to eat um, grass, leaves, uh, whatever it is. But they also eat minerals. So they, they get their salts, they get their minerals from the, the ground. Okay. And that all goes into that that meat sauce. So when you get a wild pig, you shoot a wild pig, and you put that right next to a uh, a domestic pig that you buy from a butcher shop. When you got the two of them, one is red, the other one is 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 literally white. Interesting. So wild boar, yeah, wild boar has actually got a really good color to it. 
Right. Is that is that to do with like iron content or anything specific like that? It I would I would say it's just all the minerals that they eat. It's the minerals because don't let let's not forget, like wild pigs are actually fed. Like say so they've got they've got their breads, they've got their their corns, they've got all the all the all their feed from in a feedlot and everything else. Whereas wild pigs are foragers. They'll forage on anything, mate. So the meat texture, um, and you know, you, you get really big hams out of a out of a domestic pig. When you're doing a ham out of a wild boar, it's literally maybe you know maybe a half the size. Ah, oh, okay, that's interesting. But yeah, and I and look, I love making salami, prosciutto, and all that sort of stuff like out of wild pig because it, it it's got a stronger flavour and it's got a natural saltiness to it as well. So when you're making a prosciutto, it's it's much more smaller. It's more, it's really deep, deep red. And if you have a look on the world market, um, the Spanish make a chingale uh, prosciutto, and it's the most expensive prosciutto that you can buy, mate. So yeah, it's it's look wild wild pig is is got an amazing flavour. It, it's a very underrated meat. There we go. And are we at uh, like plague numbers in Australia? Like, could this be a, could this be a sustainable food source? It, it is. Um, it is huge. The numbers are, are actually. If, if I turn around and told people how many pigs I think there are, which I've given my um, my findings to uh, local land services, which is basically all the government organisations, the numbers are astronomical. They outnumber us. But we've got 20, 20 odd million people in Australia. I'd say we'd probably have around about 300 million pigs roaming around. million wild pigs. Yeah. Government tells you there's only around about 40 million. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, the government thinks that pigs don't breed. 40 million is still a staggering number. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, kangaroos, I think they, their last estimation a few years ago would have been around about 120 million. Um, We've got the biggest population of camels in Australia, around the world. So we've got over a million camels in Australia. Um, wild goats, I think we're the biggest exporter worldwide for wild goats as well. Uh, what else is there? Uh, donkey, horse, uh, buffalo, bantang, like name it, we've got it, mate. Like, and, and personally, it's probably one of the sustainable most sustainable foods that we have in Australia, mate, is is game meat. Very cool. I'm li- I'm liking the sound of that. I'm seeing a lot of uh, potential future business opportunities there. Well, we got something in the pipeline. Ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> have you tried yeah. camel? Yeah, I have. Good. Absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. Ah, okay. Yeah, there was yep. a fellow came around at um, at Burley Barbecue Comp handing out camel cards there, maybe mm. oh, 2018 or something now, a long time ago, and then just disappeared. Never heard from him again. Yeah, mate, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, camel is one of the nicest meats. It's very sweet. It's a very sweet meat. Um, really healthy for you as well. Um, a lot of people don't understand. Game meat is probably one of the healthiest proteins you're ever going to eat. Because it's it's very lean. Like I said, I mean, it's not a it's not a farmed animal that slow grazes. It's an animal that's constantly wandering. It's healthy. It's always moving, um, and doesn't have a lot of body fat. Mm. Yeah. So, mate, I'll, I'll tell you honestly. Um, 
game meets. I mean, deer is probably one of the most favoured meets around the world. Very so, nice. I mean, that, I've, I've perfected my deer cooking, I guess, um, and it, it's just delicious. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing what you've got coming up down the pipeline. Now, just quickly before we move on, you've got your Raw Expose podcast as well. Tell us a, <laughs> tell us a bit about that. Uh, our Raw Expose podcast, it, um, that came along because I guess during the last couple of years, people couldn't get out and, you know, we just wanted to create something where people could actually just have a laugh. And, you know, me and a, a young mate of mine, Brady, turned around, I just started talking to him about it and he just went, well, you know what? He goes, why don't we just do a podcast about it? And I just went, well, what are you thinking? He turns around and goes, just be you. <laughs> so and I'm like okay cool he goes now who do you have and I'm like well I got a few people in mind that I can get so we literally called it the raw expose because it's just raw uncut literally just speak it how it is and you know we have a few drinks during it and you know we get a little bit tipsy and laughy and funny and you know and just just delve into people's lives. I mean, it's just the nitty gritty, you know, the the background history, like with Sterling and we had Mike Johnson and, you know, I had Shannon. I've had, um, yeah, my mate, Chef Sam Burke. I've had him on there. I've grown up with Sam. We went to high school together and literally just talked about personal stuff and stuff that people don't actually think like and know about pitmasters. You know, how did they start? Where did they come from? Their Their background. And it was just literally giving people more of a an in-depth thing of, you know, everyone looks at a pitmaster and goes, oh, my God, they're a superstar, they're great, but they're normal people. And we just wanted to bring people and, and just turn around and say, right, well, this is who they really are. And this is, you know, we dropped the F-bomb and, you know, we, we talked loud and, you know, mucked around and everything else. And we, and we just had fun. You know what I mean? It was just, just something where people just let their hair down and, you know, we just had a ball. And and it was, it's great. Look, we did series one, and it was fantastic. We we had a great time. We had Jess Pryles on there as well, and you know we 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 give her a little bit of stick as well. Um, <laughs> we have we had the Australian Cowboy. So whoever's on Instagram and watches in uh, looks at Instagram, the Australian Cowboy. His name's Navran Salerno. He's an amazing bloke. He's an outback boy. Grew up in Kununurra, Western Australia. And he's probably one of my funnest guys that we had on. And, you know, I talk to him regularly and, you know, he's just, he's like me. He's a bushy. Just loves going out in the bush. Loves having fun. Gets out there on his quads and, you know, just does stupid stuff the way I do. And, and, and it's just awesome seeing people and getting people from different sides of life. And, and just getting an expose on everybody, man. And, and it's just fun. And it's... I'm a bit, a bit wild, I guess. And, you know, some of the questions, we gave him a lot of, sh- a lot of shit, actually. Um, <laughs> his brother-in-law, who is um, Andrew from Ringers Western. Okay, we, yeah. Like, he gave, he gave us a little bit of dirt on Nav, and we threw it at him during the podcast, and he was just kind of caught off guard, and it's like, oh, how do I answer that? And it's like, oh, well, yeah, you are a mummy's boy. Okay, <laughs> cool. It's a... It's 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 just digging into people and and yeah, just fun, mate. It is a fun show. Yeah, we we were going to start episode two, but I had a little bit of personal things 
happening in our family and everything. So I, I, we've, we've put a little bit bit of a hold on it. So it's on the back burner. But it's Series 2 is definitely coming out soon. Well, mate, I'm looking forward to that. Now, we're just going to take a, a take another quick short break and then we'll be right back. Alrighty, folks, if you are in the need of some new barbecue gear, we got your back, we got you sorted, we got your front too, we got your sides, we got your head, we got your, we got your insides, we got everything, we got t-shirts, we got hoodies, we got beanies, we got our Smoking Hot Confessions tumblers here for your hot drinks and your cold drinks, warm you up from the inside out, winter is coming so it is time to start grabbing your grabbing your winter merch to make sure that you're kept warm during all those long, cold nights out by the fire. So head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Every purchase helps us out, helps us keep the show running, helps us keep the lights on. I just was talking to Rob before we went to air. I've been sanding down the timbers of this old house and restaining everything. It's like an old boat. It always needs something done on it. So uh, <laughs> the old Smoking Hot Confessions studio, she needs a bit of work. Anyway, head on over, check it out, smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. Got some good stuff over there for you. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Rob, this is the third segment of the show, and this is our lesson from our guest for our listeners and our viewers. So I'm just going to hand it over to you. I'm going to sit back, write some notes, and ask you some questions at the end. Cool. So, look, guys, I mean, to me personally, barbecuing's uh, become a bit of a passion. I, I love my cooking. I love the Outback. Um, and that's where I, I come from, I guess, uh, in this whole whole mad world that I live in. It's It's been a, a crazy roller coaster ride for me. And, I mean, the, doing what I do is different compared to a lot of the pitmasters out there, I guess, uh, all the boys from Meatstock and the competition boys. But it's at the same time, it's a similar sort of thing. It's it's I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I just I just love fire. I love cooking over fire. I love my meats and doing it justice. I mean, I think it was from my growing up. Um, you know, the sustainable meat side of things, harvesting out in the bush and and everything else. So I, I take a lot of pride in everything that we cook. And when it comes to like when we're doing our shows and when we're doing our demos and everything else, I mean, I, I try to teach people a, a basic fundamental of cooking um, and and how to prep your meat. I think would have to be the biggest thing that I can actually give people as an a, as an advice and to teach people. The more care and the more time you actually put into it, the better the actual food's going to taste. And it's also knowing the meat and everything that you're going to cook and and how it actually works. So a, a beef, a beef like depending on where it comes from or, or depending on the cut that you've got, you, you've really got to look into it in, in so much of a different way, I guess. Um, beef is a complete different cook to what I do. It's either a hot and fast depending on, the, on your cut or it's a real slow. Uh, lamb, different thing. I, I like my lamb cook real slow. Even if it's on the fire, I like a real slow cook because it just lets that fat render down. Soon as that that fat hits that coal, it just gives a most beautiful aroma and flavour to your meat. It does. Um, I'm drooling <laughs> just with the with the with the thought of it. Um, by far, I mean, look, my, my I would have to say my favourite food, my favourite meat, would have to be venison. Um, my kids absolutely love it. I guess, and that's where. 
I think that's that's the main thing I do it for is my kids. I, I want to make sure my kids eat healthy. I want to make sure my kids have got like the best best meat possible. And like cooking over fire is just one of these things where I think it's just a lost art. And it, it's a simplicity of cooking with fire. And I, I guess being a bloke that loves being out in a bush, I just don't like cooking indoors. But unfortunately, when I do do some of my lives, because it's bucketing down rain outside, um, for the last six months that we haven't seen a bit of sun, um, you know, you you, you, you kind of just got no choice. But yeah, it's look. I, I love what I do. I love I love being an outdoorsman. I love teaching people everything about the outdoors and survival and living off the land and everything else. Um, you know, and, and just life. I mean, life life is just better living out in the bush. I guess I. I like I said, I don't like a lot of people, but be, being in uh, in big crowds is uh, how can I put it? A bit, a bit confronting. Although, although you know, once I warm up to it, I'm not too bad. Like I get people, people laughing, people, people moving, people cheering on, and you know, interacting. I, I guess it's the interaction of actual people. Like we were at Toowoomba, and and. You know, there's, there's people there that have never done barbecue chicken, uh, beer can chicken, or or know how to butterfly a chicken. So you know, it, it's teaching people those simple little things. It, it's just great teaching. I love teaching people. I mean, you being a teacher yourself, Ben, you know, you know, you get that that. How can I say it? It's uh, I don't know. I don't, don't know the words. It's uh, it, it's quite satisfying, I guess. Yeah, for me, it's about um. I feel like the time that I've spent doing my job is valuable. I hate yeah. having a job where I hate having a job where I feel like, oh well, I just wasted another day of my life. Yeah, that, yeah, it, that's it, what it, it is for it, me. It's true. Yeah, it, it, it's satisfaction, I guess, that you've actually taught and you've given a little bit of your knowledge to others out there, and they may take that away and go, right, you know what? I'm going to see things in a different perspective. Um, so for me, being a like as much as I'm. Well, we live in a semi-rural area in the Southern Highlands, but, you know, teaching people about the bush and teaching people how to respect the bush and uh, nature, na- nature's probably one of the biggest teachers you can ever have. It is. It, uh, and, and I mean that, like, from the bottom of my heart, na- nature's one of the most beautiful things out in the bush. And as much as I do some crazy, stupid things and, you know, fractured 23, broken fractured 23 bones in my body doing dumb stuff, um, you know, you, you get out there and, you know, you respect it and you enjoy it. And, and I like, like when we're harvesting and I'm cooking, cooking meat, it's, it's doing that animal justice, cooking it in the best way possible and, and getting the best out of it, no matter what. So it, I guess you, you're giving a little bit back for what you're getting, I guess. Definitely, that's very nicely said, and uh, I I love what you're talking about about how th- the importance of getting back out in nature. Um, mm. We don't get to spend a whole lot of time out there, but our our annual family holiday is camping. We just go bush, yeah, that's a bit. and that's yeah. our just go find a creek somewhere you can swim in, cook like cook over a fire by the creek. Can't can't yeah. beat it. It, it. You can't after after coming back from a holiday or or an event or when we do our, one of our big events out in the bush you come back revitalized 
and you feel and you feel fresh. You, you're exhausted. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, I, I think I find I like the solitude out there. I love going out when I'm doing a, a hunt. If I am going to take a nice big trophy, like and look for a really big buck or a big boar or a, a nice big goat or something. Um, I mean, I do that animal respect. Like I passed up and I told the people this story because it's probably one of the uh, probably one of the most memorable things I've ever done out in the bush. Was I went out for three days out in the snowy mountains, and like literally had snow, I had rain, I had beautiful suns, but it was freezing cold. And I walked uh, in two and a half days. I walked over thirty six kilometers of mountains. Wow! And I. Yeah, man, just backpack, gun, knife, uh, just the basics. Um, and literally, I passed up about nineteen really good bucks. And you know, you you just I sat there for a little while, and you know, you see things walking through the bush, and you 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 just love nature. You really appreciate nature for what it is at its fullest when you're up in the mountains, and it's it's freezing cold, and you look at the elements and everything else, and then you just get that one buck that really really catches your eye and. You know, I, I shot him, did him justice and processed him, put literally the whole thing in my backpack and took the horns and got him taxidermied and everything. And I got him hanging up on a wall and his name's Bruce. So I, I name all my uh, <laughs> all my trophies that I put up on my wall. But, you know, that it, I did him justice. You know what I mean? I, I put him up on my wall. I um, I literally cooked him to perfection, like every little bit of it. And as much as some people sit there and go, oh, my God, that sounds disgusting. But you do because you don't take a life like that that's been living majestically, beautifully out in the bush, although it's a, a feral animal or a pest, whatever it is. You don't take a life like that and just let it go to waste. They're, they're too beautiful and too delicious a creature to, <laughs> you know, to, just to leave out there. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that that I mean that that I guess comes down to sustainability. What I've what I've grown up with. Yeah, that's very important. It's a very good um, philosophy to have there. Thank you very much awesome. for your time, and uh, it's it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. There you have it, family. That was the one, the only Rob Galena uh, from well, so many different things he's got going on at the moment. Game on Enterprises, the Australian Hunting, Fishing, Outdoors Recreation Group on Facebook. He's a contract shooter, uh, takes Mo Case on out into the bush for weeks at a time. I mean, you know, uh, the Raw Expose podcast as well. Make sure you check that out. So many different things going on there and really interesting chat about the sustainability uh, side of meat and food and the potential massive industry that we've got just sitting there here in Australia that's virtually untapped at the moment. So really interesting chat there we've had this afternoon, but it is time to wrap it up. So keep at the front of your mind, Barbicon is coming. Smoking on Confessions merch is out there on the smokingonconfessions.com slash shop. Check that out. Help support the show. We'd love you forever. But that's it. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs> <laughs>